Well, it's been the longest night of the year in Australia, but are we coming out of the darkness into a brighter future? <laughs> I tell you, we have done so many of these, and yet we always manage to find an angle. I hope you're impressed. But yes, markets are more optimistic today. Equities are rocketing up in the United States. More people are talking about not having a recession. And the RBA governor seems to think, with a bit of work on their part, we'll get through all of this relatively unscathed. That is today, but materially, nothing has changed from last week. So can we hang on to this newfound optimism for long? It's Wednesday, the 22nd of July, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, a sea of green this morning. We've got a big leap forward in U.S. equities. The Nasdaq is up 2.5% after being closed all day Monday. The S&P also making big gains. That's also up 2.5%. And the Dow up 2.2%. Less in Europe, but of course they've had less catch-up needed because they made strong growth on Monday. Today, the Euro stocks 50 has added another 0.7% to that. So uh, put the two days together, that's 1.6%. Not quite as much as the rise as we've seen today in the United States, but of course the United States playing catch-up. The bond yields are up. Ten-year treasuries are up eight basis points, three points for two years, which are at 3.22%. The biggest move up in yields in Europe is in the UK, where they're up five basis points. Greek ten-year yields are down eight basis points. Uh, They've been uh, up over 4% earlier in the session today. A slight weakening in the US dollar. The DXY index is down 0.2%, but it's up 1.2% against the Japanese yen. The Aussie dollar is up 0.3% to 69.7 US cents. The Canadian dollar up almost half a percent. Much smaller moves with the pound and the euro this morning. Both up a little bit, though. And oil. Brent is up 0.7%, close to $115 a barrel. It's been a bit up and down today. And WTI is up 1% as well. Taylor Nugent joins me from NAB in Melbourne this morning. So today we've got a bit more risk sentiment around. So has everyone dismissed recession fears? Uh, the the, the have certainly been what's behind pulling equities down last week. I mean, what has changed this week? Can you put anything on it? Or, or was last week's nosedive in shares uh, just a little bit too much? So, uh, you know, we've come back a bit. Is it just volatility, in other words? Yeah, there's certainly nothing nothing in the news flow to indicate that there's kind of some some big turnaround or some big t- um, justification for a turning point um, after the end of last week. As you say, kind of risk sentiment um, much better as the US comes back from that holiday on, on Monday. Um, yeah, much more likely uh, it looks like given, you know, those recessionary fears in, in the backdrop are, are very much still there. Um, that it's just kind of a, maybe a bit a bit overdone with how, how much prices have come off. It would just be a bit of a, a bear market rally. I've seen some analysts pointing to Bloomberg reported last week that short positions had, had reached post-2008 records um, in the last week. So potentially just some, some covering of those short positions coming back in as well. Um, but then if you kind of look across, it's a fairly, fairly broad, broad-based um, rally um, with all, all industries up and really led by um, energy and consumer discretionary. So you don't think this enthusiasm is because people have been listening to Joe Biden because uh, he said uh, today, this morning, that a recession wasn't inevitable. Uh, he did, he said that after he'd been talking to Larry Summers, uh, and of course sorry, Summers had said it could all be avoided if unemployment was allowed to rise to 5% for five years. So it sounds like, which doesn't sound like good news. So it sounds like the market is probably not listening to either of them, I suspect. Yeah, I don't think those comments from, from Biden hurt, certainly. But um, yeah, it, not inevitable isn't the most, um, you know, <laughs> the most optimistic framing for, um, for the outlook. No. Um, but then there was also some comments from, um, from um, Fed speakers as well that were yeah. kind of, you know, 
again, consistent with, you know, a mm-hmm. downturn really not being their base case. Um, but yeah, that focus on, on price stability, um, yeah. still very much front and center. Um, comments from Barkin that just came through recent, um, recently reiterating that, um, you know, he was saying that he understands why some people are forecasting a recession. Um, but certainly sees the case that the Fed can moderate demand without actually having the economy dip into recession. Without breaking anything, I think were his words, weren't he? Wasn't it? But um, yeah, I mean, because of course they're still talking about going hard, aren't they? I mean, so obviously we are back to believing that if they go hard, then we can repair uh, what needs to be repaired before a recession hits. I mean, that's that that's the thinking, isn't it? Whether we'll get there or not, I'm not sure, because of course we all know it's you know you've got to get supply. Uh, and demand evenly matched, and to, and for that you've got to get supplies up. But look, uh, Philip Lowe, uh, he was giving his speech to the uh, the American Chamber of Commerce in in Australia, uh, and of course we had the minutes, didn't we, as well yesterday of the the last RBA meeting. So they revised their their, their inflation forecast seven percent by the end of the year, which is actually still low compared to some parts of the world. Uh, that, and is that pretty much nabs you of the forecast as well? And if if that's where we're heading to, does that mean? We have to notch up the expectations for rate rises later on in the year as well. So, yeah, a big day for communication from from the RBA yesterday. The biggest one was Governor Lowe's speech. Um, the the key messages out of out of that were were fairly close to um, what he was saying in his interview on the seven thirty report last week. Um, so that forecast for um, inflation over twenty twenty two has been revised up seven percent um, to seven percent, and that's from six percent um, as recently as the the May um, SMP. Um, and that upward revision was really just flowing through um, higher fuel and energy costs. Um, and Lowe noted interestingly that that um, revised higher outlook for inflation was a key reason um, and a key consideration for the the larger fifty basis point move that they delivered in June. Um, so that suggests that they are kind of at least somewhat attuned to um, even just movements in in headline and don't have kind of unlimited patience to look through supply shocks attuned to those risks of. Um, inflation expectations moving higher that have been a key theme of communication from from other central banks recently as well. Um, but yeah, the overall message um, seems to be that um, you know combined with with the minutes as well, it was clear that the ca- cash rate still below one percent, still considered highly stimulatory. Further um, increases are going to be needed, um, and that. Um, you know, if we look at the the June meeting discussion, there was a, a consideration between 25 basis points or 50 basis points, um, and the the 50 basis point increment won the day over arguments that 25 basis points would be a, a steady approach and would still deliver a, a relatively fast pace of hiking at back to back to meetings. And so, certainly clear there that they are um, going to continue to move in the near term. Um, we still expect 50 basis points at the next yeah. um, two meetings. But are they going to go fast enough? So he he made the point almost that this, you know, obviously they need to do more, but it's also going to uh, correct itself. So, you know, he's saying next year he expects inflation is going to subside because supply problems will be resolved or will start to be resolved. Obviously, monetary policy is, is tightening and that's going to create more a more sustainable balance between demand and supply. But and then thirdly, which is the technical factor, which is just common sense, isn't it? That inflation just won't keep rising, uh, and at some point, it will, it will, the rate of increase will will start to reduce, and so in effect, that means inflation is going to start coming down. So all of those three things together sounds fairly upbeat, except for the one about supply side problems uh, just sort of falling away. I mean, we've got no guarantee on that whatsoever. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly, um, you know, the the thesis there is that um, the elevated inflation um, expected over 2022 is not going to persist into 2023, and they see um, a case for, for the rate of inflation to be clearly coming down by the first half of next year, that we, we kind of broadly agree that um, inflation won't sustain it at, at these high levels, kind of that that kind of just rate of change technical point that the price level doesn't actually have to come back. It just needs to stop going up at the same pace that it has over yeah. um, the recent period right. is a but key could, part of it. But it could, but still then- be, could, be still, could be still bad and it could still be going the wrong way for quite some time, couldn't it? Because, you know, that supply side problem, which is the root cause of all of it, and okay, we, we got a big kickstart on it, which is why we've got high high inflation. Uh, I mean, we've still got a war going on in Ukraine. I mean, Russia is increasing its attacks on Donbass. The Ukraine's, you know, they managed to sink a Russian naval vessel, vessel today. That, they, these are two sides that are not going to be sitting around the negotiating table trying to find a resolution mm-hmm. anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, and that's... So, you know... That's where the... You know, the supply side problem's going away. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen in our... Yeah, I guess there's kind of two different two different sides and two different waves of that kind of supply side-driven inflation. You've got the, the goods pipeline story coming out of the pandemic, and then you've got the kind of more recent an energy shock. And so um, certainly in the context of that kind of more initial shock as kind of the balance of spending between goods and services rebalance and some of those um, pandemic initial pandemic impacts kind of fade into the background, the kind of inventory rebuild that's been underway in a lot of consumer businesses um, starts to be achieved, um, then some of those pressures could abate. Um, but then you've got kind of more recent pressures across the energy and fuel complex that is kind of adding a, a new round of cost pressures. Um, but again, you know, it, it, all of these kinds of factors would be a, an unlikely driver of kind of the sustainable lift in inflation over time, especially if you have kind of a, a monetary policy moving away from ultra accommodative settings, taking the heat out of some of the, mm. the demand side drivers that are there in the background, even if they're not dominating the what's happening in the headline rates that we're seeing at the moment. And I guess on those headlines, I mean, we can assume that oil has done its worst, hasn't it? And so, and so you know, we're not going to see that continue to increase at the rate that we've seen it. So on that basis... Uh, then inflation would ease off. So that sort of kind of makes sense. Just finishing off very quickly on uh, on uh, Governor Lowe. We can't spend the whole podcast talking about him. Uh, but it, one thing he did sort of take off the table was this idea that they would follow the Fed with the 75 basis point rate hike next time. That, that doesn't seem likely at all. Yeah, that's right. So although there kind of was very little appetite to give guidance further out, um, one thing that did catch markets' attention was um, asked if 75 basis points was on the table for July. Um, Governor Lowe said that the, that discussion in June between 25 and 50 was likely to be the same discussion that they have in, in July. And so, you know, all but ruling out a 75 basis point increase at that meeting. And there's really nothing kind of in the data calendar that would be a catalyst to, to shift those expert, uh, the, um, that thing ahead of that meeting. So we saw market pricing come in for, for the July meeting as well, taking out that risk of 75 basis points that was priced. Um, and then, you know, another another comment that caught some attention as well was um, Governor Lowe said that market pricing over 2022 um, didn't look particularly likely for him. He said that it would be the, the sharpest um, adjustment um, or tightening um, that was has been seen over the inflation targeting regime and would have kind of fairly large and undesirable economic impacts. Um, but he did, of course, qualify that um, by saying that um, markets had been a better predictor of where rates were going in, in recent times. Now, another day, another big fall uh, in the yen. The US dollar is now is the highest against the yen for 24 years this morning. So anyone's guess how far that's going to go. 
but I mean that is obviously it's a it's a problem for Japan. It's a problem for the United States as well if it keeps on uh, pushing the U.S. dollar up. I don't think the Fed are going to be too happy about that. But I mean, isn't Australia getting embroiled in all of this as well? Yeah. So yen yen weakness certainly, um, in contrast to fairly muted moves across um, across rest of currency markets. Um, in terms of what's what's kind of driving the the latest move, um, one thing I I would note um, it has caught some interest is that there was Bloomberg was out with some analysis just highlighting the scale of the BOJ's recent efforts to defend that ten year yield cut that they have in place, and so so far in June the BOJ has bought twenty five percent more JGBs than it has in any other month previously um, in defence of that target. Um, and had, and is now owns close to to half of the JGB market. So the 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 scale of the step up in the fight to keep that yield cup in place is is pretty clear. Right, but I mean, doesn't that put? I mean, because the Australian dollar is getting pulled in all directions, isn't it? In the on the in, on the one side, you know, uh, we're seeing some strength in some commodities, but then weakness in other commodities. Then we've got the strength of the US dollar uh, versus the risk element, uh, which obviously the the Australian dollar suffers from. Uh, and then in amongst all of that, you know, we've got the yen pushing the US dollar higher, which, you know, potentially is reducing the Aussie dollar as well. No wonder uh, no one's got a clear path of where anything's going because there's so many dimensions to all of this. Yeah, exactly. Certainly a lot of forces on the on the Australian dollar at the moment, kind of that, that outlook for um, commodity prices, a, a key one, and then sensitivity to, to risk sentiment. And then, yeah, with the fragility of, of China's um, COVID zero setting well, at the moment yeah. and the implications that, that has for China growth. That's another yeah. another key factor to watch now, out for. Guess too. what? Today, more inflation. Uh, do you think that's something we should be concerned about? Uh, we get it for the UK and for Canada. They're both releasing CPI today. Canada is expected to rise. Uh, we also get uh, Europe's consumer confidence, which was uh, minus 21.1 last time. I wonder if it's going to pick up. Does it really matter? It's still going to be negative, isn't it? But those UK CPI numbers, this is a country in trouble, isn't it? The trains are on strike. Other people are looking at going on strike as well, uh, which means it's getting hard to contain that, uh, you know, that wage spiral as inflation goes up. Uh, and if this is a, if this is a bad read on CPI, that's just going to put pressure for more people to say, can you give us more money as well? This, I mean, it's becoming a very difficult job for the Bank of England. Yeah, lot, lots of focus on the CPI, and especially with the the recent BOE, communi- BOE communication around being prepared to do more if necessary mm-hmm. to um to gird off second round effects and and a, a move higher in inflation expectations. We had BOE chief economist Bill re- reiterating that message. Um, over the last 24 hours, um, kind of attuned to, to risks of self-sustaining momentum and inflation and, and certainly looking for um, any, any second round effects that could mean that the BOE needs to, to move more aggressively in the near term. And so, um, you know, lots of focus on, on the detail in, in that report as well to see um, just how broad inflation is. Um, inflation is expected to tick up from 9% year on year to 9.1%. Um, in, in May, um, and food and fuel still really driving that. Um, but given that um, there were kind of some some early hints of a potential broadening in price pressures um, in the detail of the April release, it will be kind of looked at closely. Mm. And we'll also be watching closely what Jerome Powell is saying tonight. He does his uh, semi-annual testimony to the US Senate. Uh, I'm not sure he can say more than he has done already. He can't be more hawkish, can he? I don't think. But it is going to be... Well, it's going to, you know, we see him on TV. It's going to be those, uh, the, you know, what his face is saying, even though his mouth 
might be coming out with different words. It's always interesting to see him in this context, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It will be, um, yeah, very closely watched. The kind of the immediate question is whether it's it's 55 or, uh, sorry, 50 or 75 um, at, at upcoming meetings. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, it's un- probably unlikely that he'll shift from the recent guidance. The kind of both are very much on the table. Um, we had those comments from, from Barkin um, that part of the, part of the thinking um, for the 75 basis points in June would have been that if it's available to you, um, then, then you would take it, um, given that framing that he has that, um, you know, you can, you want to get, um, away from stimulatory settings as fast as possible without doing undue damage to the economy and financial markets. And so mm. that would probably, you know, lean in, in favor of 75 basis points to the extent that it, it remains priced. Um, but certainly, yeah, lots of interest in what Powell has to say there. Yeah. And do you agree with the president, Mr. Powell, that a, uh, that a, a recession is, is perhaps avoidable? Uh, that's one question he's obviously going to get asked as well so watch his face on that one anyway good to talk we'll catch you again good to have you back on taylor we'll see you again soon thanks phil and there we are fairly quiet day news wise but uh more excitement tomorrow i'm sure i'm phil dobby for now catch you again on thursday morning have a great day